The second Thursday of October is World Sight Day, a global event held every year to raise awareness about eye health and blindness. To mark the day, health experts in Taiwan are giving us advice on how to keep our eyes in top shape. According to a nutritionist, eating plenty of fruits and vegetables is a good way to maintain the health of our eyes. Let's hear their advice. Red and yellow vegetables contain vitamin A. Fruits contain vitamin C, and nuts contain vitamin E, all of which are good for the eyes. Lutein and zeaxanthin, as well as the docosahexaenoic acid and hyaluronic acid found in fish oil, are really great components in healthy foods. But the most important thing is whether these nutrients are absorbed by our bodies. It only works if you first metabolized some bad components away. Only then can the supplementary nutrients be absorbed by the blood vessels around the eyes. Medical studies show that in clinical trials, there are some proteases in fruit that can actually help the body achieve double the result with half the effort. According to a survey by the Ophthalmological Society of Taiwan, Taiwanese people use electronics for an average of 10.7 hours every day. That could be a factor that is causing eye conditions to develop at a younger age. The society advises to eat plenty of fruits and vegetables and to rest one's eyes frequently to prevent eye strain. That is, for every 30 minutes that you spend looking at something nearby, spend 10 minutes looking away at something in the distance. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan has gained a new title, being named an honorary distinguished alumnus by his alma mater, the National Taipei University of Technology. Zheng is the first alumnus of the school to receive the honor, which comes after an invitation for Taipei Tech research teams to set up base at Taoyuan's Hu Taoshan Innovation Hub. Mayor Zheng Wenchan receives a certificate from Taipei Tech President Wang Sifu, making him the very first honorary distinguished alumnus of the school. Taipei Tech has an area of only 9 hectares, but considering its knowledge output, it has the highest density of talent. It also made the biggest contribution to Taiwan's economy. As part of its social responsibility goals, Taipei Tech chose to establish research teams at Taoyuan's Hu Toshan Innovation Hub. Hu Toshan Innovation Hub has given us the opportunity to rent two very large sites where five teams can work on industry academic services. Mayor Zheng has recently allocated nearly 2.5 hectares of land as our base for industry academic services. Taipei Tech also thanked Zheng for making National Taoyuan Agricultural and Industrial Vocational High School an affiliated school of Taipei Tech, creating the first merger of a university of technology with a vocational high school. However, Zheng's relationship with Taipei Tech actually goes back to his high school days. For high school and junior college, I tested into the National Taipei Institute of Technology. But that year, I came to Taipei to study at Jianguo High School, so it probably wasn't meant to be. In the end, there was a happier ending. Zheng was admitted to the National Taipei Institute of Technology, the predecessor of Taipei Tech. And now, he is its first honorary distinguished alumnus, certainly a happy ending for the man.
though that the average Taipei City Council candidate in the 2018 elections spent 6 million NT on a campaign. Now as the local elections draw near again, candidates are more keen to be thrifty this year. The price of campaign materials has gone up and many candidates are economizing where they can. We spoke to KMT Taipei City Councillor Chen Mingsha and her DPP colleague Shi Jiabei to find out how their campaigns handle costs. DPP City Councillor Xu Jiabei cheers on a youth dance show. It's the launch ceremony for her campaign headquarters, and she invited this high school group to perform. It's a win for the students, but also for Xu's budget. Professional lion dancers or cheerleaders can cost up to 20,000 NT for 10 minutes. We save where we can. Fundraising isn't easy. It's because of inflation. Some campaigning mementos like packs of tissues seem to have gone up in price 14%. But we are all taking out more billboard adverts. Tissues are the most popular political campaign freebie. But with global price of paper pulp on the rise, production costs are up 14%. Candidates that once handed out triple packs of tissues now just offer one pack. But there are some politicians bucking the trend. I like it if people can put them in their bags and use them for longer. So I do these packs of 10, although some people do thinner packs of 7. KMT City Councillor Che Meisha has a clear strategy to get her face everywhere. Apart from packs of tissues, she also gives out waterproof calendars and MRT maps. Each one costs 2.5 NT or even 5 NT to make, but she says it's worth it. See, it'll be in the voters' house a whole year. They're looking at you a whole year. Fundraising has become harder since the pandemic began. Candidates are keen to make every cent of their budget count. In 2018, each candidate for the 60 seats of the Taipei City Council spent an average of 6.2 million NT on their campaign. But candidates say the real expenses are much higher. I think it's up to 10 million NT. You have to budget it very carefully to work out what marketing techniques will work best for you. We get mothers and older ladies to volunteer for us, which also saves expenses, and that's how they support us. Politicians on both sides of the spectrum are working to cut costs this year, while still getting their message out. As local elections loom, campaign tactics are vital. With U.S.-Taiwan relations at a 40-year high, 83 Taiwan manufacturers travel to Washington, D.C. for Taiwan Expo USA and are getting the chance to show off the best of Taiwan's technology. Let's get a preview of the show floor and hear from a U.S. official who highlighted the significance of this event. The Ministry of Economic Affairs and the Taiwan External Trade Development Council have brought 83 Taiwanese manufacturers to the U.S. to participate in the first Taiwan Expo USA. Even Hanhai electric vehicles have crossed the Pacific to be on display here. 
It wasn't just Hon Hai who made a spectacle with the Model E luxury electric sedan. Delta Electronics also brought its fast charging station to the show floor. With so many Taiwan manufacturers making the long journey, the U.S. specially sent its Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade to the event, highlighting the importance of the expo. Our leading businesses are meeting the moment. Forward-looking companies in each of our economies are forging partnerships and making commitments across the Pacific. That only free countries can allow the creativity that produces the momentum for innovation and therefore economic progress. And that is exactly what Taiwan and the United States have in common. Taiwan and the U.S. have close trade relations. U.S. imports from Taiwan increased by 27.7 percent to 77.14 billion NT in 2021, a record high. Taiwan Expo USA also featured Taiwan's unique temple performances and food culture, giving Americans the chance to enjoy a nice cup of bubble tea. At the Medical Innovation Forum, audiences heard speeches by Academia Sinica's Wang Qihui and former Vice Vice President Chen Jianren. We hope that by 2050 we can half cancer deaths. That is our goal. Naturally, this is an important area in which Taiwan and the U.S. can continue to work together in the future. We have invited the associations of related industries in Washington to visit with their representatives, so there should be a lot of business opportunities. Taiwan Expo USA is being held directly in front of the U.S. Department of Commerce in hopes that the U.S. government can bear witness to Taiwan's soft power. The expo aims to help Taiwan manufacturers open up unlimited business opportunities over its three days of events. Contract chipmaker TSMC has posted record figures for the third quarter of 2022. The tech giant posted consolidated revenue of over 613 billion NT, a gross margin of 60.4%, and a single quarter EPS of 10.83 NT. As to whether the U.S. stricter sanctions on Chinese semiconductors will impact the company, TSMC also confirmed that Thursday that it has been granted a one-year immunity. Despite an impressive earnings report, the international political and economic situation had led to a continuous decline in demand for computers and cell phones. This has also affected TSMC's chip shipments, causing foreign investors to continue to sell out. TSMC shares on Thursday closed down for the fourth day in a row at 395 NT. Taiwan shares fell below the 13,000-point mark. The TIEX shed 270 points, or 2.07%, to close at 12,810 points on turnover of 208 NT billion. Immigrants from all over the world come to Taiwan where they find work, start families and contribute to making the island so special. In today's installment of An Immigrant Story, we meet Liam Fanning, the executive producer and creative director of Taipei Shorts, a bilingual theater in Taiwan. Our reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Fanning about his experiences with performance art in Taiwan. Every day, it's the same. If I get a grunt out of him, I call it a good day. (laughs) 
Actors take to the stage. This is a production by Taipei Shorts, a bilingual theater in Taiwan. Taipei Shorts provides a platform for both new and experienced expats and locals to act, direct, write, compose, and work on lighting. Genres and styles range from slapstick comedy to fast-paced dialogues, interpretive dance, and more. Taipei Shorts is it's a it's a series of shows. So this is the fifth iteration of the show. So the format of it is that it's uh, writers who are based in Taiwan. So either local writers or international writers who've settled here um, will write and submit plays. They get selected and then paired with a director. And then we hold auditions and then they get paired with actors and then we mount a production of each show. So uh, I want to start off by talking about what is Taipei Shorts. So who here has seen a Taipei Shorts performance before? Fanning is the creative director and executive producer of Taipei Shorts. A native of Virginia in the U.S., he studied theater at Virginia Commonwealth University. Five years ago, he moved to Taiwan. He initially joined Taipei Shorts as an actor and now serves as its creative director and executive producer. So I look for something first that we can definitely do effectively or bring, you know, do justice. And then I look for, once I find a few that I like the way that I might narrow it down, is look for things that will complement each other while also contrasting each other. I think what's really cool is when we have like six to eight different shows that are all completely different from one another and that they, uh, their difference actually makes them stand out even more. I'm married to the, the mother, the wife, my wife, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm squeamish. Taipei Shorts is in its fifth season with an upcoming show in November, showcasing eight plays in English and Mandarin. Two shows will be performed in Mandarin and six shows will be in English with subtitles. The shows are directed, written and performed by Taiwan-based artists. Fanning says this show will be the biggest one to date. We have a show coming up. It's November 11th through the 20th on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So there's six total performances. Each show will feature all of the plays that have been submitted. So it's each one is like a one act. Um, so it's almost like a little bit of a sample of the story. You get to know the characters, the style of the piece. There'll be some music that'll be originally composed for each show. I think that there's so much um, opportunity. People, this is a, a city that really enjoys nightlife, right? And, and you know, in-person events. So um, in order to be able to do that, I think in and of itself is a goal to just have more performances and more fun things for people to come and see us. Um, and then I think moving forward, I'd like to be able to give, you know, an international kind of spin to the theater here. There's there's great theater that's going on here that's exclusively in Mandarin, which is, of course, necessary and, and people come up that way. Um, and then for a long time, there's been like an English language theater, but I feel that in some situations it might be put into a box. So my goal, I think, with this particular show is to show multilingualism as a value and to show lots of different um, perspectives and points of view maybe on the same medium. What do you think you're doing? Standing here. Stay. Stay. No, no. This is a public area. You're not allowed to stand or linger in the public area. Fanning hopes not only to keep English theater alive and entertain more audiences in Taiwan, but also showcase the nation's talents. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Han in Taipei. Though border restrictions have been lifted, the U.S. Department of State still has in place its Level 3 travel advisory for Taiwan. The advisory urges Americans to reconsider traveling to Taiwan due to COVID-related restrictions that affect entry into the country. 
The CECC says it has coordinated with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs to communicate with the U.S. about the updated COVID rules. They say they will announce any updates as they come. Currently, passengers from the U.S. can enter Taiwan freely without the need to quarantine. Taiwan's first batch of tourists since the start of the pandemic touched down in Taoyuan in the early hours of Thursday. They came in a flight from Thailand carrying 45 passengers, some of whom were traveling as a tour group. With the lifting of the ban on international tour group travel, travel agencies are wasting no time. About 20 foreign tour groups are expected to arrive in Taiwan over the course of the day, with a handful of Taiwanese tour groups also departing to destinations around the world. Taiwan's borders are officially open, and the first batch of tourists is finally here, excited as can be. A Tiger Air flight from Thailand was the first to land today at 12.10 a.m. at Taoyuan International Airport. One of the passengers came in fancy dress for the occasion. Dressed like Sailor Moon, this traveler is Thai social media influencer Kitcharat Nartetam Rongsut. She says she couldn't wait to come to Taiwan. I like Taiwan. I like Taiwan food, Taiwanese culture. I have a lot of Taiwanese friends and Thai friends in Taipei. Travelers from abroad are coming, and we also have travelers going out. The ban on tour group travel has been lifted. So today is an extremely significant day. It is an opportunity for the tourism industry to rebuild itself. The tour guide holds a stack of passports and gives reminders to the travelers around her. This group is the first one leaving Taiwan since the lifting of the ban on tour travel. Among the tourists are a newlywed couple going on their honeymoon. Of course we wanted to go abroad for our honeymoon, but we didn't want to have to quarantine. Now we don't have to quarantine when we come back, so that's great. I'm in a great mood. We can go out and about. We've been stuck here for so long. The tour group is ready to get going. With the lifting of the ban on international tour travel, agencies say even companies are beginning to organize trips for employees. Employees have been unable to travel abroad for three years, so we think that the top choice for company trips might be a little different now. They might choose itineraries in Europe, faraway places like that. The CECC reminds passengers to check COVID measures at their destination before departing. It advises travelers to keep public health measures in mind during their holidays to stay in good health. Taiwan has finally reopened its borders after almost a thousand days of travel restrictions. Starting Thursday, travelers to Taiwan no longer have to quarantine upon arrival. After touchdown at the airport, they can take public transport to their destinations. Travelers are still required to monitor their health for seven days after arrival and take a rapid test once every two days. For the rest, going to work and attending class is permitted even dining in at restaurants with a group. Taiwan is once again open to tourism. 
Just before restrictions were lifted at midnight, staff at Taoyuan International Airport took down the COVID setups at the arrival halls. It was a celebratory atmosphere as it's been almost 1,000 tough days fighting COVID. CECC head Victor Wong was at the airport inspecting the final arrangements. On social media, he said he was emotional that this moment of lifting border restrictions had finally come after 939 days. The arrangements for passenger flow are all ready. There are some details we can look further into. The Taoyuan Airport MRT is once again a travel option for arrivals. The removal of quarantines means customs procedures have mostly returned to what they used to be before COVID. Travelers with no COVID symptoms can take public transport and regular taxis. The airport has reopened viewing platforms, restaurants and food courts and duty-free shops. Taoyuan International Airport expects over 12,000 arrivals on October 13th, as well as over 6,700 departures. That's a total of 270 flights entering and leaving Taiwan. Back in Los Angeles, things didn't feel as tense. Many people don't wear face masks in public spaces. I think Taiwanese people are more rule-abiding. The CCC reminds arrivals that they must still monitor their health for seven days after touchdown. Passengers must take a rapid test on the day of arrival or if they develop COVID symptoms. They must also take a rapid test once every two days to go out. There are no restrictions on working, attending classes and eating at restaurants alone or with groups. However, during the first seven days after arrival, travelers may not accompany or visit patients at hospitals unless permission is granted by the hospital. They should also avoid being in proximity to high-risk groups. According to our recent data on COVID-19, the disease is five to ten times more deadly and severe than the seasonal flu. It's still quite a severe disease. Older adults should keep their guard up. Experts say the CCC may disband once the mortality and severity of COVID-19 lowers to levels similar to the seasonal flu. That, however, may take a few more months, depending on how the pandemic progresses.